From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz is here with me. Going to talk the good and the bad, mostly good, of Michigan's 27-14 win at Iowa. I was on hand as well as Alejandro. We have tons of stories over at the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan.247sports.com. We got columns, takeaways, grades, you know, stories from the press conferences. Should be a one-stop shop, everything you need. From that game, we probably have it over on our site. This this episode, we're going to do, I don't know, it seems like our standard format. Offense in the first half, defense in the second half. A few a few ups and downs for both sides of the ball. Uh, I mean, ultimately, I think the score ended up being pretty much what I'm sure someone in the Michigan market predicted a 27 to 14 score. Like that was, seemed like everyone had Michigan 20-something, Iowa in the teens probably. I guess like, a lot of the game transpired as expected. Michigan, you know, ran the ball persistently. I mean, think about the offense. Didn't get a big play, right? They had one, they, Blake Corum's 20-yard run. There was Angel Anthony's 29-yard reception. That was it for the big plays. They didn't have uh, really anything else. I think there was like a 16-yard completion as well. Uh, Iowa's defense, I think, very much looked the part. But at the same time, Steve, both half-opening drives, you know, the so-called scripted drives, resulted in touchdowns. Michigan ran for 172 yards against the Hawkeyes, which might not seem like a lot in today's college football, but at the same time, Iowa has only allowed more yardage twice in the last three seasons, last 27 games. So you're looking at an offense that, that even if there weren't big plays, I thought was very persistent, not a ton of tackles for loss, not a ton of, you know, lost yardage. Really, really that, that you know, J.J. McCarthy's trip on, the, on Zach Zinter's cleat and then the sack, fumble, 21-yard loss. I mean, those are really, to me, the only two, like, big-time fails or misplays or, or whatever phrase you want to use. It seemed like this was an offense that, that even if it wasn't spectacular – was very consistent at getting the job done, especially up front. Felt like physically the interior offensive line had had its best game of the season, uh, really starting to see that offensive line round into form. So, Steve, what, what's, what jumps out the most to you about what Michigan was able to do offensively on Saturday? I really liked – it felt like uh, – I think he even kind of alluded to it after the game. Just, it felt like McCarthy progressed from last week to this week as far as um, 100% smart decision-making taking what the defense was giving him uh, you know, just really impressed with how he played uh, you know, collected, calm, collected, you know, and, and it, it just, it feels like, so, you know, Michigan very athletic on the outside schoonmakers emerging as we kind of thought he could uh, without Eric all in there. Michigan should be up like we, you know, the, the missed deep ball again, I think is, is maybe the one little negative there, but it, it feels like Michigan is going to be able to get guys open consistently in the short to intermediate. And, and McCarthy has shown now through t- 
two straight games in, in conference play, uh, he is on the money with those balls. And that's those are chain movers. And, and not just accurate. I think the, the velocity yes. is really good. You know, it's, yep. it's to the point where he's getting those guys and maybe not so much yesterday, but but getting those guys the ball with time to run and like, you know, an opportunity to make a play. Because that's if there was one critique I always had about Cade McNamara, I felt like those like short passes, it just took forever for the ball to get there. Yep. It it just looks like a yeah, he's not rifling it in there. But it's just it's it's yeah, it's right where it needs to be when it needs to be there. And to me, between Michigan's success and running the ball, and then those types of plays, those deep opportunities are going to continue to be there for Michigan if, if as long as they succeed with that short intermediate stuff, you know. And so, and I still you got to think I th- you know that McCarthy's going to start to hit on a few more of those. Like, yeah, they didn't try it very many times on Saturday. I don't think they really needed to. Uh, that was kind of like like I said, I just I liked the game plan that Michigan came in with that stat you said mentioned about Iowa giving up that many, right? Like the third most rushing yards they've given up or whatever. Uh, that's pretty crazy stat. I wonder if any of those games were at Kinnick either. Um, so, so, so the other one was last fall in the big 10 championship game. Oh, so Michigan's <laughs> done twice. I, yeah. And then it so. was Minnesota last season. Because Minnesota's got a pretty good ground game, and they were very run heavy last season. So, yes. uh, I I don't know, I can't remember off the top of my head where that game was, but either way, either way though, like yeah. good a, a a really nice kind of stat to take home. Other thing too, offensively, and I posted, I said this in the just like I post a reactions piece every couple of weeks or so after a game. Uh, Donovan Edwards is just remains so important to Michigan offensively, and in just all the different ways. He can do. I thought he, I thought he looked maybe almost even better running the football than he has in the past. He looked decisive, a couple of really nice cuts at the second level. And then, yeah, just continuing to be a huge asset in the passing game. Even in the, was ironic about the touchdown catch. Uh, he was wide open on the initial, you know, Iowa got good pressure. He was wide open already on that first cut improvises in the back of the end zone, makes a play. He might have scored if 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 McCarthy had been able to get him the ball on the first cut. So uh, just just a guy that continues to be a matchup problem for opposing defenses and is going to continue to be just because he's, you know, just kind of a unicorn, in my opinion, and, and just all that he can provide for them, you know, in, in different matchups and, and, you know, kind of just hard to see you know, it feels like the most difficult guy to prepare for, for them offensively. I think we talked about it in the preseason stuff where it's like, you know, good luck putting a linebacker out there on him. Yeah. If they decide to split him out, you know, good luck putting a corner on him. If they try to split, you know, it's like, he's cause, yeah, he can, cause I think they had a corner on him in that touchdown. Yeah. So I, I don't know where, I don't know who started out on him, but I believe there was a corner covering him, which by the way, real quick, his persistence on that play, you know, everyone was watching JJ McCarthy doing all that, but like there's some value to finding yourself open in a place where McCarthy can see you that far into a route. I mean, granted, I think other receivers could have too, but like, I think sometimes the, the casual fan might see like JJ McCarthy running around and it's like, what are the receivers doing at this time? You know, how are they finding a pocket in the end zone where McCarthy doesn't have to throw across his body or, or do a, turnover worthy throw 
Like, how are you making yourself where you need to be, but also open when the defense kind of is able to shorten the field and know where that ball's going? Well, that and that feels like quick thinking, smart football player stuff, right? Like a guy who just has an aware, uh, a high awareness level, maybe a higher awareness level uh, compared to most players, you know, cause yeah, not only like, you know, the cut was going to the, going the other way, he rolls around with McCarthy and yeah, and yeah, basically just plops himself in a wide, in a wide open area, you know, and it, it, it really. And Iowa knew where he, where the ball was going. Yes. Yep. And it, and yeah. it turned into like a, once McCarthy broke the pocket and, and got around the defender, it was an easy touchdown pass, right? I mean, it was, uh, it didn't have to, it wasn't a difficult throw to make or a difficult catch to make. Uh, so yeah, just, you know, I, I don't know, maybe I always take, maybe I always speak too much. I just, I'm so high on what Donovan Edwards provides and gives Michigan offensively. I just think he's super, super valuable. He is. And I thought he was valuable even when he wasn't getting the ball. Obviously he had a few catches, a few carries, he was statistically productive, but, you know, I, I asked Luke Schoonmaker about it yesterday and you know, he talked about the energy and how, you know, when he's in the huddle, I mean, there's, there's just like a different level of energy, which is valuable. It's, it's, you know, think about if you're an offensive lineman, you're kind of getting beat up. Even if you're having success, you're still getting beat up when you face Iowa uh, or, you know, you're kind of in a lull in the game and then here comes Donovan Edwards and it's like, well, anything, can happen right now. And, and, you know, he's got that, that smile, that vocality, you know, Jim Harbaugh talked about him as a vocal leader yesterday as well. He's valuable. He's, he's essential. I think to Michigan's offense running it at full speed. Uh, Another player who I came away impressed with, he he had a great game last week. So I'm not like stunned that he had a good game, but I I think Luke Schoonmaker is continuing to be uh, really just such a, such an asset. I, I know I predicted before the season that he would play himself into an NFL draft situation, but boy, I mean, even, even by my own expectations, I think he's, he's really emerging. He looks like, as Michigan said, one of the top two or three tight ends in the big 10 right now. Uh, And so for, for them to be without Eric all at least the last two weeks and for him to step into that role, 11 catches in the last two weeks, I think, I don't, I think he had like one or two before in the three games before that. So, you know, I think he's someone else that, that is really helping this offense out. And, and I think one thought I had that, that maybe is the, the question or the concern, and I want to get your thoughts on this, is like as much as you know, Donovan Edwards catching passes, I thought, I thought J.J. McCarthy found uh, the running backs, checked down to the running backs a couple times where it, where it was good. It was, you know, it's not just, I think some people look at checkdowns as, you know, settling. Uh, but no, it can be really valuable, especially when you have running backs who can move like Michigan's can. And, and when you see the tight end game get involved. That's, that's great. I do think I'm, I'm just curious your thoughts on, on a couple of these stats, you know, Michigan's wide receivers, I wouldn't say quiet game, but a quiet er game, you know, for, for the, for the talent that they have and everything. And then the, the stat that stood out to me, this is what I would say a good receiving core with the yards after the catch, but they only had 16 on eight receptions yesterday. Uh, so it was just, it, and some of that's the throw, some of that's the situation, some of that's Iowa's defense. But when you combine that with maybe a, a lack of deep passes, I think only three passes were completed 10 or more yards downfield, which again, when they're this effective in the short passing game, 
it doesn't matter a ton. But Steve, I, I guess what's your thoughts on the on the outside passing game and receiving game right now? I mean, you know, where where can this group grow? Because my assumption is that Michigan is not going to hold all of the tough opponents it faces this season to 13 points. And so you are going to have to have consistent non-scripted drives. You can't score the first a touchdown to open the half and then kind of control the clock, settle for field goals the rest of the game. There are going to be games this season where I feel like Michigan's going to need to score 30, maybe even 40 points uh, in order to ensure a victory. I mean, does this it kind of feels like we were having a similar conversation last year around this time, weren't we? Yeah. <laughs> After the Washington game. Uh, yep. It, my, my honest thought, my thought is I just, I feel like Michigan views themselves as, as a very malleable unit offensively that can adjust to whatever type of defense they're facing. I mean, think about, you know, Iowa is, has long been known as a team that feasts, on creating turnovers, mostly in the defensive backfield, uh, you know. With yeah, and with that cover too. Yeah, there is right a lot of fifty-fifty shots that, and they're very good at fifty-fifty balls. You know, yes. their their win rate on those is is fantastic. So I I I wonder if it's you know just almost more of a game by game basis. Uh, you know, we look at last week as sort of McCarthy's first real challenge uh as a starter you know against a big 10 defense and again even going back to last week though it feels like you know and, and we knew that's what Iowa was going to do but it, even last week it felt like Maryland you know almost played back a little bit to to negate some of those potential chunk plays in the passing game right I mean it's it, so Michigan is I think for two weeks in a row have, have kind of taken whatever the, the opposing defense is giving them I think the question will be when they face a team that maybe tries to play a little bit more aggressively, you know, can Michigan go over the top? They've had, they've, they've had those chances over the top, particularly last week. uh, And just the passes weren't made, but, you know, I just think, I just think Michigan has such a, and we've talked about this particularly, I want to maybe we go back to like the receiver preview. Uh, Michigan just has such a wide array of abilities at the receiver position that I just, I feel like they think when the time comes that maybe they have to open it up a little bit more. I think they feel like they're capable. I uh, just, a lot of it to me is more not conservative per se, but, but I feel maybe they think that right now that they, they can win playing conservative football as, as McCarthy continues to sort of mature, uh, you know, Corum, not a guy that's putting the ball on the ground at all. Right. I mean, uh, you know, so that they, I think they, we went a long like... time without mentioning Blake Corum, by the way. Yeah, I thought no, he had a really good. nice game. Excellent uh, game. I mean, I, I, I kind of joked in one of my stories that 130, I mean, a, a yard against Iowa counts as two against a lot of other defenses. So 133 yards, touchdown, uh, 29 carries. So he's, he's definitely shouldering a load right now. And, and I thought he had some pretty tough runs, a couple, couple like Hassan Haskins type runs where, where he's showing off how much, you know, or his ability to squat, you know, the muscles that right. he's got. So uh, that's why I said, yeah, he, I didn't mean to omit him for tw- like 20 minutes, but he's well, cause I, I, I think that's in, that's almost a, in a way, a sign of respect and the idea that like, he's just such a constant 
that you almost don't even think about it sometimes because he's just a guy that I think Michigan knows that they can count on. I remind, I think I tweet, he, he's like a souped up S 10 truck with, I saw that. That was very specific bags of good truck knowledge, bags of concrete in the, in the bed. Yeah. I don't know. I think my buddy, we were kind of talking some crap, just messing around and that, that came up and I thought it was pretty funny. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, I, th- I just think it's more because he's just he's just kind of that guy you can bank on. Not going to win any awards, but I'm interested to see if his name does start. You know, maybe he has another big game next week against Indiana. If we maybe start to hear his name a little bit more, he's got 10 touchdowns. Uh, he's had a great start to conference play. You know, I'm just wondering if we're going to see a little bit more national recognition for him. Yeah, I think I think it might. I mean, you say he's not going to win. Anymore. He might win an award. Like he's he's top ten in every major rushing category. I mean, I guess the one thing is like the volume might not be high, but he's six in the country in rushing yards per game, and he leads in rushing touchdowns, and I believe in yards per carry. I think he went down a little bit yesterday, but he's still very high for someone with as many carries as him. So, you know, in terms of like Big Ten running back of the year or Big Ten offensive player of the year, I don't I don't think it's necessarily out of the question. I mean, he's playing like one of the best running backs in the country. And with the, with the offensive line starting to round into form, I think that I think you'll see a lot of performances like what you've seen the last two weeks. All right. With that, we're going to take a quick break on the other side. We'll talk about the defense and, and maybe some final thoughts coming from this game. This is the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Thanks for waiting. So, Steve, I think there's two things that two main schools of thought or two main takeaways from Michigan's defense against Iowa. I mean, ultimately, they gave up 14 points. It's not like it's I would I would say nothing was truly a struggle. And they didn't give up a single point in the first three quarters. But Iowa threw for 246 yards and and more so than the the stats, because you never know what is like a desperation drive and what where, where Michigan maybe took its foot off the gas. But I felt like the tight ends and the running backs were able to get open in the middle of the field. I saw um, Junior Colson allowed six receptions on seven targets. Mike Sainer still, I think it was five receptions on six targets. That middle of the field coverage, still probably the weak point of Michigan's entire team, really. I mean, that's the one thing game to game and, and kind of factoring in the opponent feels like that's where Michigan's really been susceptible. 
I don't think concern is the right word because obviously like it's college football. There's, there's not a lot of teams that have no weaknesses, but there are a lot of teams in the big 10 that know how to use their tight ends or know how to use their slot receivers or have running backs who can catch passes. What, what is your sentiment on Michigan's pass coverage Saturday? Because really I test felt like Michigan was 20 to 30 points better than Iowa. So ultimately they beat the spread. They, they won. It wasn't really a game that was in doubt, but I do think that coverage over the middle of the field, maybe let the Hawkeyes keep it closer or hang around or whatever, whatever phrase you want to use a little bit longer than, than Michigan's advantage would suggest, you know, I guess, I guess they, Michigan won by fewer points than, than, than it looked because of those passes over the middle of the field. I mean, it was 27 to seven, right. For all intents and purposes, but even then, you know, I agree probably even more that Michigan looked more than 20 points better than Iowa for the majority of the game. Yeah. I'm, you know, slot receiver as much as, yeah, I think tight ends teams that have good tight ends could give Michigan problems. I think that was something we've talked about going into the season with the linebackers and linebacker coverage. Um, you know, Rod Moore, not physically equipped to deal with tight ends. I don't think either necessarily in a one-on-one situation, he's not undersized, but just not a guy. I think you want covering like a Laporta or a who's the other one for Iowa. Lachey had a good game. Um, yeah. Right. So I do think that's something to, to monitor for sure. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think of who, I guess Michigan State's got to put that Daniel Barker's pretty solid tight end. Uh, but overall, Turner and Green continuing to lock up the field on the outside. I think this was a game. Yeah, I mean, what did, what did we say? Last week, Iowa had the receivers had one catch for five yards or something against. Um, yeah, they Rutgers. actually had a little bit more success this sure. week. But I, I do think they're getting healthier. You know, I was talking to our Iowa reporters, and they were mentioning Last week, they had two scholarship receivers available to play. So I think it was a little bit better this week. But, you know, I, I think, to me, the, the stuff on the outside, the stuff to the receivers, that felt more like I was just throwing the kitchen sink because they're down by yes 20 or 14 Correct. or whatever. Stuff in the tight ends, though, I mean, that, that stuff was working earlier in the game, too, I felt like. Yep. No, they Iowa kind of is weird. I mean, maybe uh, – can only imagine how frustrated Iowa fans are watching their offense. Uh, felt like they did a lot of the same stuff they did or tried to do last year in the in the Big Ten championship game by rolling Petrus out and and finding tight ends, not really in the maybe the intermediate flat, I guess, like seven to eight yard routes, um, and then trying to and then letting them try to make a play after the catch. Uh, you know, but overall, yeah, I mean, Michigan. You know, like they're going to be facing much bigger challenges offensively or defensively. We'll just put it that way. So uh, overall, I don't know if we segue here. This biggest thing still to me was at least until late in the game, just Michigan did not get enough pressure uh, again with their front four until what fourth quarter with Oki. You know, yeah, I, I think there was some in the third quarter. I think what really made the the difference is I think even before those last two drives Iowa definitely it was clear like I think that Mason Graham sack it to open the second half you know 
Iowa's very run, run pass until they are trailing. And so I think that second half, they were able, Michigan was able to get pressure. And I'll give Michigan credit. I do think they did a nice job getting pressure, even if it was for a little bit more predictable of a game plan for Iowa and that they were probably going to pass more often than not. I, you know, there's still, you still have to produce against offensive linemen who, who are young. I don't think this is like a great Iowa offensive line, but still, I think the Yabioki is really progressing in that regard. Um, I think Mason Graham had a very good game as a, as a pass rusher in addition to, to stopping the run. And Mike Morris, I think, looks pretty good too. Right. Other, other thing too, more on Oki, and I think I tweeted this. His emergence is, will allow Michigan to play Morris on the inside on passing downs, and I think that's where Morris can become a real problem in the pass rush and in, in getting to the quarterback. Um, not that he hasn't had success as the outside guy too, but, but I think he is a real matchup problem on the inside uh, when trying to get to the passer. So, you know, that emergence for the, yeah, for Oki, Derek Moore, kind of the two guys we've been are harping on or, or guys that we've been saying are probably going to see more time as the season goes on uh, will allow them to use even Taylor Upshaw too. Uh, just those guys that are sort of on the edge, uh, maybe move them around a little bit more and create some mismatches, you know, in, in those long, those third and eights, third and nines, third and tens. Yeah. Michigan loves those NASCAR packages where they, and, and they've been doing it all season, but I think, I think to your point, Oki gives them even more flexibility where they, they don't have to, you know, there isn't a weak point up front and, and yeah, I thought, I think Oki is, is really progressing. His, his snap count was really high. I think it was, I think he played more snaps yesterday than he did in, in Michigan's first three games. And that's kind of what we hinted would be the case back in August. I mean, he was added so late to the team, you know, midway through fall camp that that I think his his assignments were pretty basic the first few games, and now he's starting to to get a little bit more of the, the breadth. And, and really, a, a kind of a best-case scenario – for Michigan as a whole. I mean, you know, to, to the more players you can have emerge and push for starting snaps or, or key, key roles, uh, the better your team is because it's not like the guys who are playing fewer snaps are like getting worse. It just means that someone else is, is helping elevate that room and what it's capable of. And then the other thing that really jumped out to me defensively, um, I don't have any like, cool trendy takeaway. I just thought they did a really nice job stopping the run over and over and over again. It was like the reverse of what Michigan's offense did. You know, it's, it, it was just showing up, playing physical up front each and every time. Got another cool stat in their last uh, 40 games, you know, dating four, four seasons. Yeah. Iowa has run for fewer yards just twice. One was against Wisconsin. They had like 25 rushing yards. The other one was also against Michigan in 2019, where they had one rushing yard. So one, I was probably sick of playing Michigan at this point. But two, I think I think Michigan really started to show its teeth as a top tier run defense. I think I think we always expected them to be pretty good against the run this season, but really liked what Mozzie Smith did, Chris Jenkins, Mason Graham. And I thought the edge rushers 
and linebackers did a, did a better job than they were doing a couple weeks ago in terms of, of, you know, their supplemental help stopping the run, making some of those tackles, making those tackles at the, at the one yard line, instead of like the four, right. You know, that a lot of that's play recognition, knowing where to be understanding where the blockers are going to go. Iowa, not the same kind of rushing attack that Michigan will face later this month and in November, but, but still, I thought it was really, uh, really, really just put their foot down, played a team that, that loves to dominate the trenches, loves to play physical and really on both sides of the ball, Michigan just uh, won convincingly in terms of physicality and trench play your thoughts on, on the run defense. Yeah, pretty much the same. I mean, yeah, I think Michigan clearly won the battle of the trenches on both sides of the football, which, yeah, like you said, not something that necessarily happens to Iowa very often. So kind of goes back to what I said about Michigan being malleable. Uh, it can kind of formulate to their whatever, to, to you know, they're able to beat most opponents at their at their strengths. And, and yeah, I mean, Chris Jenkins, kind of an unsung guy so far this year uh, with his ability to stop the run. We've seen Mozzie Smith show it in big flashes. And, yeah, like you said, I think one of the other maybe bigger storylines coming out of this game is that uh, Mason Graham really is starting to kind of emerge as a a real problem. Uh, you do not see this very often from a true freshman. Uh, I was going to say, up, yeah, I mean, right? if he's already looking like a problem yep. in two years, he might be yeah, you know, no. all-American good. Yep. Absolutely. And, you know, can't ask for much more than that. Then that's cool. That's kind of what we always talk about was like, you know, if, if we go into a season, it's like if, if they can get somebody to kind of break out or emerge alongside the guys we know are going to contribute that that's what can take your team from being good to being potentially great. And uh, yeah, you're starting to see a few guys up front uh, flash, you know, and, and it's a best case scenario, you know, for Michigan that that's happening, you know? So yeah, like you said, Oki, I think it's, I think it said 26 snaps yesterday. Yep. Uh, yep. Right. Uh, more than Upshaw, uh, more than McGregor, you know, so seeing those kind of guys start to kind of put it together and, and really Michigan get has another game next week in Indiana to get them more seasoning. And, and honestly, like Penn state, that, that win against Auburn doesn't really feel that much that impressive anymore, uh, especially the way they looked yesterday against Northwestern. Uh, just feels like Michigan can can really continue to. I was I was their, right. I wasn't going to ask about Penn State, but you bring up a good point. They did not look great against Northwestern. But I saw Indiana lost to Nebraska. Yep. By fourteen, uh, Michigan State lost again. Yeah, the schedule you know, is not looking as daunting. I'm kind of wondering, yeah, like is this right? a, is this a two game season at this <laughs> yeah, point? Like I, it's hard to say, right? But yeah, if you're Michigan right now, I think you like you like where things are are heading. I think honestly, I still think, and, and we'll see. I don't know. Um, you know, I still think getting the uh, healthy Nakai Hill Green would go a long way for yeah. Michigan defensively. Uh, we'll see what the situation is there. But either way, uh, even Jimmy Roller played nine or ten snaps yesterday, right? And, and has burned his Seems, red shirt. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a good point about the fifth game. Yeah. I, I mean, he played just as many snaps as Khalil Mullings. Kind of sense that there's a changing of the guard there, potentially. Yep. yep. And because Mullings struggled, I think, against Maryland. Uh, 
yeah a little bit and and yeah rolder another guy again we'll see i don't know how far we talk about merging we'll see there if, if he really continues to kind of emerge but yeah i played double digit snaps they're burning that red shirt so yeah michigan's got guys that are starting to yeah the snap count's always one of the best indicators of you know pretty clear that a staff thinks a guy is emerging when they're starting to give him more snaps i mean there's a, is there any clearer indication that that's the case so you know you're seeing these guys play a little bit more means the coaches i think are starting to think okay we got we have a player here yeah it'll be, i i i probably will go through it now and just double check how many freshmen have already burned their red shirts i think it's actually a really high number based on what we've seen i mean this is a freshman class that's really uh, already making a pretty significant impact. You know, saw Darius Clemens. I think Amarian Walker was traveling. I, I assume that his red shirt is burned. So yeah, it's uh, that's nice. You know, that's cool. You know, if you're if you're Michigan, you got to feel good about about the freshman class. All right. Anyway, with that, that's going to do it for our episode today. Be sure to check out all of our stories. We're we're gonna we talk about all this in detail over at the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan.247Sports.com. Will be lots of coverage heading into the Indiana game week as well. For Steve Runs, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. We'll see you next time. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.